Welcome to the Redacted Recover Your Mind podcast. During this this podcast. podcast. Nope. We're not. Yeah, what was that? That was it. But it was too quiet. And that was my fault. Oh, okay. I was like, cut cut out. (laughs) Yep. No, it was quiet. Yeah, I'm excited to get mics and stuff going because, like, the second you plug me into the board, you you get really muffled. And I have a hard time understanding you. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll try and be more clear. So, sorry. But I I didn't notice it really until today. I thought it was just because we're on a phone call and I'm using an earpiece and stuff. But when you answered, you were, like, significantly louder and significantly more clear. And then the second you connected to the board, it got quieter and more muffled. That's weird. You're really clear (laughs) both ways for me. So, Well, you probably have better headphones and stuff, so that might be. Yeah, that's true. I do have Sony Studio headphones. Alright, we're still recording, but I'm gonna, it's only a minute in, so I'm gonna do it again. So, right, and it's gonna be at the proper volume. Right, now. Welcome to the Redacted Recover Your Mind podcast. During During this this podcast, podcast, you'll you'll hear things things that'll scare you, intrigue you, and Without reality, but I assure you, none of this is made up or propaganda. This is reality draw out the truth. Broadcasting from a secure location in Traverse City, Michigan. This is the Redacted Recover Your Mind podcast. Here's your host, Mitchell O'Brien. Welcome back to Redacted. I'm Mitchell. Today we're going to take a look at the season of giving. And we're going to take a little bit of a dip into charity, giving what a life of benevolence really looks like. And with me to help me do that is Lucas. Say hello, Lucas. Hey, everybody. Good to be here again. He's been a, a, he's becoming a, a, stationary staple of the redacted podcast and i couldn't love it anymore we've had some really really good conversations but hopefully we keep having good conversations so. yeah well i think we will have a pretty good synergy but um you were talking about something very interesting right before we started recording and i thought that you were trying to make your own natural remedy of keeping moths and mice out of your house because I misheard you. Um, could you elaborate on what and why you and your wife are creating a moss ball? I'm interested. I'm not trying to be a douchebag. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say, I hope everybody went out and pet a duck last week and ate some chicken. Um, but then we'll <laughs> did you see the did anything did you see the the cast art I used I didn't actually that's that one last week you'll have to look it up once you if Jenna's home or you got the computer you'll have to look it up. I think you'll enjoy it I'm not gonna tell yeah, you what it I'll is de- you gotta look at it <laughs> <laughs> definitely check it out I'm sure everyone listening already knows so. <laughs> um, so the moss wall thing so moss walls have all of a sudden become the big craze like they're all over 
social media and stuff and Etsy and you know whatever. Um, from what I hear, I'm not on any of that, but our um, my mother-in-law has talked about it and stuff. And there's a whole we went through Michaels today. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole moss wall section that's like 50 feet long. That's all these different colored mosses you can get and stuff. Right. And we're like. I love Michael's, so it's crazy how I haven't heard of this. And when he said that, I was like, is this a strange version of a Christmas wreath? But <laughs> No, no, definitely okay. not. So moss walls have been around for a long time. What people are doing now is um, petrified moss walls. And this is the thing. This is I, I'll rant on this for a second, is that they're popular now because you learn how to petrify moss so that it's dead, so it doesn't look dead and doesn't feel dead. Hmm. And so you don't have to take care of it. You just put it, put it up on the wall and it looks pretty. So we've been looking at them. My wife thinks they're, they're beautiful and I think they are too. And so we were like, yeah, let's figure out how we can do this. But we want a living moss wall. We don't want a dead one like everybody's buying now because I believe in having living things in your life mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as much as possible. We love plants, love having house plants. Um, we try to have a lot of houseplants that are herbs and stuff that we can eat and make tea and use as remedies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the cool thing about a moss ball, a living one, is that it it actually breathes. So it releases humidity into the air and pulls toxins out of the air and stuff. And so it's this living, breathing picture, pretty much, that you put on your wall. Mm. Um, and you can actually feel like the moisture coming off of it and everything. And it's got that smell of moss, like, you know, damp ground outside in the woods and stuff, which we really like, you know, growing up in the forest and everything. Oh, yeah. I'm still there. <laughs> so we are like, well, like, why haven't we done this? And we finally looked it up and looked up how to do it and just went and we're like, okay, we're going to go figure this out. And we went to a couple places. And yesterday we went for a walk and we picked a bunch of moss on the side of a trail by our house that's just, like, covered in moss. And, like, if you're going to pick moss for a live moss wall, don't ever take more than 10% of the moss in a given area so that mm-hmm. it can recover. Um, that's the general rule, I guess. So where we were, there was, there's so much moss. that's like thousands of feet long of just moss. So you just kind of take a handful here and there mm. and it just kind of like peels up like carpet or something. Um, yeah, today we just like 30 minutes ago, we were putting together our little moss wall. We just took like a picture frame and took the back out of it and wrapped it in burlap. So supposedly the moss like grows into the burlap and that holds it on. And I'll let you know next week because if it doesn't work, we're going to lift it up, put it on the wall and it's all going to fall off on the floor and we'll be really sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it sounds really interesting and really cool. Cause I'm sure not just the moisture and the, the smell and toxins, like it's like, moss is like other plants where it gives off sock. Oxygen, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. like, breathes oxygen back out for us. So. That yeah. sounds really awesome. And if I can figure out how to do it well and we get it going, like, we're going to make a few of them for our apartment and then we're going to, you know, probably gift some and stuff like that to people that we know. And you just, like, spray it with a uh, spray bottle once or twice a week and it's supposed to be good. Or every day, or I don't know. It's been if you take care of plants, you'll you'll be able to look at it and go, "Oh, that's looking a little dry." Like I'll take this more water. But yeah, um, so you just kind of missed it, and it's supposed to last like five to ten years. So we'll see. For any listener that might be interested, that's a long time. 
actually. That's not what I was going to say, yeah. but that's a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but for anybody who's interested, like, we grew up with a couple different kinds of mosses. Do you pick a couple different kinds of mosses or green stuff? Our front yard's mostly green stuff. <laughs> not grass. No. <laughs> I had this whole thing over the summer where I wanted to use weed killer that would kill all of the grass so we could just let the moss take over something it doesn't get too high it's always green it feels nice to walk on i just feel like that would be a better option for a lawn and i don't know why society isn't backing this there's moss lawns are a thing and so are clover lawns and other there's other plants that you can mix that is better for local pollinators mm-hmm. and it like you don't have to mow it because at max it'll grow to like eight inches tall and you can still walk through it and stuff. Yeah. That Um, was, that was my second option after the moss. I was like, all right, so you want me to do moss. Can we just plant wildflowers and have a field instead of a front yard for the bees? Yep. I got shot down for the environment. Yeah. I got shot down too. I like the idea of clover because you can do a mix of like clover, thyme. There's a, third thing there's also like five different things that are common with a mix like that but clover and thyme are two of the main ones it's called creeping thyme and it like binds out mm. and then the vines root themselves and so then you end up getting like this whole yard of just like thyme and clover and the thyme you can use for tea that's what so i was gonna ask for- i think you can use clover too it's not as yummy but thyme you can use for tea yep. and cooking right yeah mm. it's not like creeping thyme isn't like the best time to use, but it's not going to kill you or anything. So it still has benefits to it. I have, and this, I'm going to just give it out to the world, a new lady friend in my life. We're starting to get a little more serious. And she loves stuff like this. To where, like, one of the goals is going to be maybe not full-on homestead, but pretty close. So I think... That's definitely the way to live. I think the goal is to have something like that. Who needs a lawn when I can have a couple beehives and a field of wildflowers and thyme and all of the things. She wants goats. I'm like, lead me. <laughs> lead me through the goat process and I'll get on board. Um, get sheep. They're, they're way better. <laughs> well, she has experience with goat milk products. Okay. So it's something that she knows, and, and I'm like, hey, if you're confident there, I will back you, and I will help, and I'll do all of the things. Like, But you need to know that I have very little experience with chickens, and that's what I, I would like those. And, you know, I can't, you know, dis, we, we got to have some ducks. Got to have some ducks. Yeah, I was going to say, after last week, you better say ducks. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, you're gonna like that uh, cast art, but um, yeah. So that's like something that I'm looking forward to in the future because it's like something I've always wanted to do. It's something you've gotten to do a little bit of, and mm-hmm. I got to come see it, and it looked awesome. I mean, it looks like hard work, but that's kind of the point, I think. <laughs> yeah, hard work, and you get something good and healthy out of it, and like, um, that's the hard thing because recently moving. Um, down to North Carolina, we're in a, an apartment and we don't, you know, we were taking care of chickens um, 
my mother-in-law's chickens and our quail and getting eggs every day. Like we were eating just for breakfast every day. We had quail eggs. It was awesome. Um, and then we started butchering the males and eating them and they were delicious and (laughs) very healthy and nutritious. Um, and we were growing our own meat and it was healthy, non-GMO, organic, like about the best thing you could, could have for yourself. And it, it wasn't that much work. It, like it was work, but it wasn't that much. And then we found ourselves, we kind of miss it. We're like sitting around the apartment sometimes like, all right, everything's clean. We're done with work for the day. I wish we could go through the quail. Like, yeah, right? Go <laughs> check the quail for some eggs. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we, we kind of miss it. It's like once you have animals in your life, like that's hard to uh, to not have them. And we talked about a dog or a cat, and we're like, yeah, but you can't eat your cat. It's kind of frowned upon. Yeah. I mean, at least in this country, <laughs> I feel like. Um, I mean, your guys' move there is kind of like a re... Uh, I don't know if reset is appropriate, but like an, a new beginning... Is it, am I on the right path there? Um, yeah, I'd say a new beginning. It's definitely something different and to like go somewhere else and start our life together. And we did it for some health benefits of a warmer climate and stuff like that as well. And um, I think it's good overall. And like our goal, there's a lot more job opportunities here than where we were. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to make enough that we can actually buy a small plot of property and really do what we want to instead of like mooching off our mother-in-law and living with her and doing it on her property. Well, I feel um, like you have more time to, or like the seasons down where you're at now are, Oh yeah. They help, they help you a little, you don't have the, the, as many months of hard winter. And I don't think you even have hard winter. There's like the winter seasons are where they're a little, you know, some, rain and ice and maybe some snow, but not like up here in the north. Oh yeah. We're we're close to Raleigh and it's like we haven't seen snow at all. Not even flurries. It's you know, it, it's gotten into the twenties at night a handful of times, but even most nights it's like in the forties. Um and then it, during the day it'll be forty high forties, low fifties most of the time. Like the last few days it's been in the sixties, which has been awesome. It was um, in the fifties here but, on Christmas, so that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's cool when you have a, a longer growing season though, because there are crops that you could technically grow all year down here. Yep. That are cold hardy and good down to like twenty degrees, and unless you get a really hard freeze, they they would be absolutely fine. Um, and even if you take a break, you could take a break for like two three months because they're. Um, Strawberry fields down here are ripe in like um, April. Oh, or like when was it? We visited last February, and the strawberries, like the fields, were green and they were starting to flower in February. So it might even be March, and they're still getting strawberries down here. Which up in Michigan, for those that don't know, it's like June. <laughs> you can get a couple <laughs> strawberry harvests in. <laughs> Exactly. No, and that, the thing is, by June, it's it's hot down here. So, like, let's just start growing different stuff. But yeah, um, it's cool though because the growing season is a lot longer. So, and also, like, it, for livestock and stuff, you you lose a lot more animals to the cold than you do to the heat. 
as long as they have shade and some water, um, you're less likely to die from heat stroke than freezing. So like animals, people, there's, we all kind of are better in warmer climates. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's not like a desert, obviously, but. Yeah, I feel like we kind of came from warmer climates and then decided to to branch out to the cold, and some of us have acclimated it. I don't have the words tonight. Um, some of us have acclimated a little better than others as, as you know, parts of the race, but, um, yeah, definitely you can thrive a little better. You said that, um, bring this up, we're not getting into what we said we're going to at first, but... Um, it's not like us at all. Um, yeah, right. We always <laughs> get right into what we're talking about. But, and I don't know how much you want to share, but you have had some, some health issues in the past, and you've said that being in a warmer climate has actually helped that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. Um, and that's it's hard because different health issues react differently in different climates, and the autoimmune issues that I deal with actually benefited from the cold winters Mm. back five, six years ago. Now it's changed as I've gotten older and I deal with a lot more joint pain and um, circulation issues. And the warmer weather is just so much better on my joints and my circulation. Like, um, but then some people, certain autoimmune issues or different issues that they deal with, if, if it was 100 and humid, they'd just absolutely be miserable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like when it's 100 and humid out, my joints are feeling awesome, and I I have like no issues. Um, so it just it depends on the person. Um, but for what I deal with, it's it's much better generally in a warmer climate. So, but we're about as warm as my wife can handle. She's like she's dreading the coming uh, summer. She'd much <laughs> rather be back up in Michigan with a more temperate climate, but doing it for me and we're gonna try it out um we're looking at settling towards the mountains down here somewhere so that it's, it's more temperate but we're like close to the warmth if we want to we want to go be in a warm area um would you say that what you just described as being here before kind of helped you with your health stuff and then going down there now is helping you with your health stuff would that almost make you prescribe to the idea of being guided divinely guided by your creator and how he wants you to live your life um yeah possibly because i was going to use the the word seasons Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. different seasons you you act differently to different seasons and so seasons in life aren't always quadrants of the year (laughs) you know sometimes they're longer yeah um but I think it was a season that I, I feel like a big part of it is we were supposed to go somewhere else and start new. Um, we had had a lot of rough issues with relationships and stuff and like good intentions that just things didn't work out and it left sore spots and, you know, we've forgiven them, they've forgiven us, but like, mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of like, it, it's better to not be around some people sometimes Like you, you realize it doesn't work and it's better to not be around some people. Um, and stuff like that, uh, differences in, in viewpoint and stuff that couldn't be, um, mended. So it was just, you know, better to separate. And, um, there's just a lot of that. I lived in the same town my entire life. And so I was 30 
And so, you know, lots of that stuff. And it, it just, I think it was a point where it was good. It's been good for us to go start somewhere new and just rely on each other and be there for each other. And like my wife's my best friend and we spend a ton of time together, which I think every married couple should be like that. Like if your spouse isn't your best friend, I, I don't know why you're married. Yeah. Um, not always a popular opinion there, but like that because there's more to marriage than just being head over heels in love or anything, but like having that companion, that person to fight through life with and do everything with. And like, that's what you should find in a mate. And that's what I found. And, um, because of that, I think it made it easier for us to move because we have each other. Like we don't have a bunch of friends down here and we do have some family down here. That was part of why we moved to where we did. Yep. Um, but we have each other to rely on and we can make it because we have each other. And, um, so yeah, just kind of a restart, something new, something different, different opportunities, um, stepping into a, a new life and a new, um, career path and things like that and seeing where it takes us. But I'll share this real quick. Cause it's interesting. Like you said, like maybe being divinely led, mm-hmm. my wife felt led to move up, back up to Michigan just after COVID started. I'm going to find a way to mention COVID on every podcast, by the way. I, Do it. Ruffle uh, all the so, feathers. Yeah. Um, she felt led to go up there and she didn't really know why. And she had somebody that she really trusted in the church that she was at pray over her and say, I think you're going to come back someday with a spouse that you meet up there. And, what? Was guy, and, and he didn't say it lightly. Like, yeah, people say that in the church, they throw that around, oh, like, oh, you're going to meet your wife, you're going to meet your husband. And, like, he wasn't that kind of person. He he very much thought it through, and he's like, I really think God's calling you up there to, to meet your husband. Um, and there's a dream, like, seeing her in a wedding dress and stuff, and, like, that's where the, the idea of it came from, is, like, going up there and seeing her in this wedding dress after she gets to Michigan and everything. And, um... She did. <laughs> we met and we were married eight months later and we're coming up on three years. It's been great. Um, and now we're moved back. And this is where she lived before. Um, she was here for a year or two. Um, so she, she's a little bit established down here. She's got a, a handful of friends and stuff. She, she didn't live here really long, but um, lost her brother raised his boys a few years ago. And um, now they just had a little girl. So we get to enjoy the little baby girl and our nephews. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was cool is that she felt divinely led up there, found out why, and then we feel led back down here. And we don't know why yet, but we both know to trust that leading because that leading has never led us wrong. It's going against that leading that has led us wrong. <laughs> so, like, once you learn to hear the voice, and sometimes the voice doesn't sound like words. It sounds like ideas or just an unction to do something. Um, I like the word unction. It's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you feel, feel that just like push to do something and it, um, you have to, cause it'll like eat, eat away at you until you do. And then like, if you never do it, you'll look back and be like, just know that you were supposed to. And it, you know, it's, it's one of those weird things where I, I believe in free will, free will. And I believe that we all have a choice in everything we do, mm-hmm. but we also have a destiny mm-hmm. that 
our father has predestined for us. And like, to some extent you're going to fulfill that destiny, but are you going to fulfill it to like its peak or like the, the smallest amount? Right. And I don't know exactly how that works, but I know like you start to understand time and like how spirits are with time and like being outside of time and stuff like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. he, he knows it all. He's seen the end from the beginning. Like he, he gets it. He, he knows everything we're going to say and do. But we still have the free will choice to say and do those things in time. Um, it's not like he forces us to do those things. He just knows what's going to happen. And so helps guide us through that path by these feelings, these unctions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Don't. It's interesting. So I'm excited to see uh, what he has for us here. Me too, because you can see it. But you're getting very dangerously close to getting me riled up about reincarnation again, and that's not what this podcast was going to be about. Um, <laughs> no, my day yesterday, the day before, the day before was, no, it was yesterday. Um, that day was brought to me by the word, I can't even say it properly, but I can type it because I texted it like 17 times. Disingenuous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like not genuine. <laughs> and people, I had a couple of people like, "What is what is with you in that word?" I'm like, "I don't know." Came to me today. That's my big word of the day. So today is unction. This pro- this podcast is brought to you by Unction, not a sponsor. Yep. <laughs> you want a real definition for unction? Go look it up because I'm not sure what it is, but it works. <laughs> it works. Just fits. But, I mean, we talked about um, seasons in there, seasons of life, and how they're not actually, mm-hmm. like, the seasons of the the planet and the ecosystem. But it kind of takes us back to what we wanted to talk about today. That, you know, for us, um, and I, I'm going to try as hard as I can to post this tomorrow. I'm breaking, <laughs> breaking the immersion. But... Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to post this as soon as I can, but every once in a while I can't. Um, but it is the season of giving here. Christmas was just recently, and I know that you have had some some belief changes and structuring, trying to figure out what you're believing. I kind of have. I haven't done the don't celebrate Christmas yet because I just kind of go with the flow, and I just don't know what to do. And then mm-hmm. I think I caught some weird, I thought Pagan and Yule was a little bit different than it was. So I was just like, just just let everything be okay. And that's kind of where I was going. I don't think that's right. Um, but we wanted to talk about the season of giving, what this time of year is really all about, charity, uh, living with a given, giving heart. And uh, benevolence rolls rolls in through there. We're going to talk about Christmas a little bit. Um, you know that I'm 36 years old, and it took me until about somewhere at the beginning of last year before I could really put a handle on the difference between benevolence and malevolence. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Sad. I'm 31, and it wasn't very long ago that I had actually got that. Because we don't really use those words. So no. I never, I could never remember, um, like which one's the good one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and um, 
I think it was listening or watching Ancient Aliens is when I started to hear it a lot because they're talking about malevolent or benevolent um, forces. And then we listen to the blurry guys a lot. And those guys, you know, or their guests will use those terms a lot. And I just, I always got them confused. And in my head, I wanted to believe that benevolent meant bad. B for bad is where I wanted to do it. Yeah. But I had to realize it was M for malicious. And um, I, fi- <laughs> I finally figured it out. But I heard recently, because a lot of people like to throw out why is Christmas in the winter or on December 25th. And a lot of people try to say that the Christians stole the pagan holidays and tried to, you know, change it and, and take over and, and, and all of that. But then I heard a really awesome thing that sounded cool. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's actually, but we celebrate Jesus's birth around the solstice because that's the darkest time of year. And he came mm-hmm to earth to be the light of the world. So if we, you know, we celebrate it when it's the darkest, cause he's the light of the world. And that kind of made some sense to me. I was just like, I don't really know if there's any truth to that, but it sounded good. Well, that's interesting. Cause for everybody listening, um, my wife and I for a couple years now have chosen not to celebrate Christmas. Um, and we believe in the Messiah and the Christ. Um, it never tells you to celebrate his birth in the Bible. Right. Just throw that, throw that out there. Um, that's one of my main arguments for it. The early church started doing it. Um, I came across, we both came across a bunch of things. We kind of dove into this whole thing about like unpaganizing Christianity as much as possible. And so one of the things we came across was the Saturnalia Festival and um, Solar Invictus and other things like that. And I'm, I'm kind of, uh, everything's kind of vague in my mind because it's been a couple of years since I really dug into it. Um, and I actually just heard some really interesting information today about Christianity and the early church and early church holidays and stuff that I found interesting that I have to take into account while thinking about this in the future. But um, mm-hmm. we're kind of to the point where if, we we put our uh, what's the what's the word I'm trying to find here? Um, we put the money where our mouth is. Like we're, we're not going to say we believe something and then just like go along with what's going on around us. Like right. as we started to see, we might not believe in celebrating this holiday the way it's cel- at least the way it's celebrated. So we decided to just stop until we can reevaluate and really look through it and decide if it's something we want to do or not. Which really pissed off a lot of people around us. I know, because um, we had one less person to get gifts from. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting started <laughs> on that. But there's a reason that Christmas time is considered to be one of the most stressful times of the year, people. Um, and it's that expectation that you're supposed to get gifts for everybody. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly hate that, because an expectation to receive something from someone else is not what giving is about. And that's one of the things we want to talk about, is what does it mean to be a charitable person and an actual giver? and being a benevolent person who has goodwill for others. And it's not, our modern culture has taken selfishness and said, that's bad. So instead of selfishness, we go to selflessness. But you know, the problem with selflessness 
is it's just unselfishness. So we try, instead of trying to be a giving charitable person who cares for others and puts others needs first, we look at ourselves and go, Oh, I need to take the uh, attention off of me. So I'm going to do this good thing for you because it makes me feel good to do good things for you. And it's still about you. Like that's what happens in our culture often is that Mm -hmm. it's never actually about the other person. It's about you still that is selfish. We give out of selfishness. We do caring things for others out of selfishness. And it's, um, that's not what a truly giving person does. Like a truly giving person gives without expecting anything in return. And that's not my experience with Christmas for most people. There are people out there that are like that. Yeah, so for the most is. part, you come across people that are like peeved off when you, uh, you don't give them a gift in return. And like, I, I am the, ex- I'm an expert at smiling, saying, thank you. I really appreciate it. And walking away <laughs> because I saw this way for years and I, I've known a lot of people that just like have this obligation, like they're going to show up to this Christmas thing and they can't do it without getting everyone there a gift. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't like, especially with my health issues and stuff and not being able to work a lot. And like, I, I didn't have a lot of money to give and stuff. I'm like, so I give my time, I give my energy, I give my goodwill and my, um, my counsel and my, um, the things that I've learned and talking to people about stuff, having deep conversations. Like I don't want to get together and talk about watching the Grinch for the hundredth time. I'd rather have a deep conversation that could change your life and give you something that could be hopefully wisdom that can help you the rest of your life instead of something you're going to throw away in a year because you have no use for it anymore. Which is kind of what Um, you and I started to do the last couple years. Um, We got together and we pissed mm -hmm. everybody off at the family get togethers because we wanted to talk about this stuff, and I mean, we actually upset a couple of people, and because they didn't like what we were saying. Um, yeah, yeah. But even though I do believe the Grinch is a classic, um, <laughs> I'd like to throw in there that I know exactly the kind of people that you're talking about. I've been in a point in my recovery where I didn't have anything material to give. I barely had mm-hmm. physical acts that I could give. And so a lot of what I had was moral support, uh, emotional support, and then eventually it became more physically doing things for people and, and stuff like that until, you know, financially became a thing. And I was in a relationship with somebody where that was not acceptable. If there wasn't a financial number that you can put on something, then you weren't you weren't contributing. It didn't matter what you said, did brought to the table otherwise with skills or, you know, uh, knowledge, wisdom, none of that had any value at all. And that's not, that's not okay. And not just because that was a person I was in a relationship with that I'm not anymore, but because that's a really shitty way to be a person like financial. Okay. We live in a society that's trapped us in this financial, you know, cage where you know you 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 have to to do certain things to afford certain things and society set up a certain way where if you don't have money you you know it's it's pretty it's pretty rough go but you can't devalue everything else that is worth something energetically i guess i want to say yeah 
and I, I don't know if that's exactly where you were going, but from what you said, that's just what blew up in my head. <laughs> was Mitchell rant well, even, real quick? What you're saying there, I mean, you think of traditional gender roles, and this is something that our our culture is flipped upside down and made an issue too. But like, we now act like a, a mom, a stay-at-home mom, isn't worth anything because she doesn't make any money mm-hmm. and isn't climbing up the corporate ladder, and that's just it's BS. It's complete BS. Like a mother who stays home and teaches her children how to be moral and good and how to play with each other and sits and reads with them and trains their minds and helps make them good functioning human beings while dad's off working hard to provide for the family and mom's doing the laundry, cleaning the dishes, making sure dinner's ready, feeding the kids, clean, you know, keeping them clean, making sure they're not getting hurt, helping oversee their moral upbringing. Um, and like dad should be doing that too. When he gets home, when he, if he can work at home, like I'm all for trying to find a way that you can work at home. So you don't have to be working five, mm-hmm. six days a week mm-hmm. away from your family. Like, um, but it's not practical for everybody. Um, and some people need both parents to work like in our, our culture. That's a thing. Some people aren't going to want to hear this, but also don't need a Netflix and a Hulu and a, a prime and Disney plus membership along with three different phones and phones for their kids and two brand new cars and all like, there's so many things that you don't actually need that we call needs that are desires. And I think we need to have, I'm only, I'm only six out of seven of those things. So I don't feel personally attacked at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree with you though. Like it is something (laughs) that needs to be worked on and I didn't, I shouldn't have interrupted you there, but I thought it was a oh, you're good. well-placed joke. And I, I kind of rant on this stuff because, like, and I've had people look at me and be like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, we don't have any subscription mm-hmm. to anything. And people are like, what? They're like, we don't have a TV. And then they look <laughs> at us like, we're, we're really crazy. And we're like, we purposely got rid of our TV so we would read more and spend more time with each other. So it annoys me a done. little bit, though, because I'm always like, hey, I saw this documentary about spiritual stuff, and I really think you see it. Hey, I saw this show about um you know the secret space program and i really think you should look at it hey the stuff that you're reading i saw this guy on this thing and it's on this and you should really look at it and so not that it's actually annoying or i look down on you in any way but <laughs> i do use that media to find a lot of the things that you find in like word of mouth and books and, and podcasts oh, yeah. and stuff like that and um so i'm always like yeah that's exactly what this is. you should watch this and you're like yeah <laughs> and that's the thing is I'm not saying it's bad in and of itself, but right. it's bad when it takes away from you, like living a real human life. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're married and your wife has to work because if she doesn't work, you can't pay for all your extra stuff. Uh huh. Maybe you need to reevaluate. Maybe you need to downsize to a smaller house, get rid of one of the cars. Like, you know, there's, there's things <laughs> people don't want to hear it. Like they, really don't want to hear it because the American dream is to have as much stuff and as we can and look better than everyone else. Yep. But like, that's not how human beings are supposed to live. No, never, not, we never, not at all. And that, that's part of that big deception <laughs> that you and I talk about every once in a while is, you know, that's, that that's, or some people will call it part of the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. So, but and it's something well, I'm dealing that, with because I do like it my life is taking me away from having the time to enjoy all of those things. And I'm like, I literally could have saved 
seventy-five to one hundred dollars this month because I barely watched that. Is that yep. small amount of time that I was bored where I watched it for thirty minutes before I went to bed really worth it? No, because I could have been meditating at that point. You know, <laughs> I could have because yep. every time I'm like, oh, I don't get to watch any of my, and it could be spiritual shows. I can't watch any of my spiritual shows, but I could actually be being spiritual instead. Right. <laughs> you know, and a balance. I mean, I do that with podcasts. I, I get podcasts for free, and there's so many times where I'm like, oh, cram in that other podcast because I want that knowledge. I want that information. Well, and then I'm like, yeah, I listened to six hours of podcasts today, and like a bunch of that was while doing other stuff or whatever, but then I'm like, I didn't spend any time praying. Mm-hmm. And that's that thing. And that's what I mean by those distractions. It's like we, we put so many things in front of us that are distractions and we call them needs. And it's like, no, you need shelter. You need food. You need to be able to clean yourself mm-hmm. to stay healthy. And you need companionship. You just, like those are the main needs of the human. You just tapped on something I'd like to ask you. And mm-hmm. it's, have you gotten to the point, this is something that I felt recently, is I feel silly sometimes um, when I pray, and it's a very formal event. And I've heard the reasons why you should do that, and it's usually somebody from a church that's telling me this. But what pops into my head is the passage about um, prayer without ceasing, pray without ceasing, something like that. And my prayer life has kind of become that way where I've actually started to take a lot of my thoughts captive and get intrusive thoughts and, and identify those as intrusive thoughts and then run to, um, the father instead. And I'll stop and I'll be like, I'll pray, I'll pray for you for that. And then I do. And I'll be like, you know, father and, I really, I come to you today and was praying for this or that and this and another thing. And I really wish, you know, for this miracle or, you know, help your child, stuff like that. And I guess I get done and I'm like, why have I been in and out of prayer all day? And then I just came and made like a ceremony out of it. Am I weird for having that thought process? Um, I think it has to do with seasons like we talked about a minute ago and prayers of that sort are not invaluable. Like there's still value to them. And I think there's times to pray them. And like, um, when Jesus like taught the disciples, they said, teach us how to pray. And so he said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on to get the Lord's prayer. And for thousands of years now, people have been praying that. (laughs) and i think there's power to that there is power and there's power especially in the intention of multiple human beings praying that same thing all together right um or in the same day in the same town in the same like because you're literally standing in agreement with everyone else who prays that you know and you know i don't care what version you read it from the words if your words are meaning the same thing you're praying the same thing and that's that's coming to the father um, it says in the Bible that prayers of the saints are like incense to him. 
mm-hmm. and they're in a golden bowl in front of his throne, and it, it fills the temple with this magnificent smell of the prayers of the saints. And so he loves it when we pray to him, and it doesn't matter if it's prayers like that, or if it's that personal talking to him, or if it's um, one of the ways to pray that people often aren't taught is going over a piece of scripture and then just going over it in your mind over and over and over again. It's called, um, the, uh, the term they actually used in Hebrew was meant ruminating, like a ruminant animal that sits and chews cud mm-hmm. all day, chew mm-hmm. on grass and like <laughs> keep regurgitating it to rechew it to break it down more. Um, and that's that idea is that you literally, you spend time in scripture in some past passage, small, big, doesn't matter. And then throughout the day, you regurgitate it to chew on it again for a while. And then you swallow it back down into your next stomach, like a sheep would. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to be gross, but like, this is how sheep and cows and everything eat <laughs> the normal process. We're an explicit um, podcast because I like to say bad words sometimes, and we like to talk about gross things every once in a while, so it's okay. Yeah, like farming. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I yep. use a lot of farming analogies. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Use what you know. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but that's that thing. Is like it's literally, they literally use the, the Hebrew term to ruminate, and it's, that's not the term. I, I don't remember what the term is, but it means the same thing. It's the term that they have for those animals. And I just found that really interesting. Like that's, that's a form of prayer and meditation. Um, and then there's, and I think this is only, only truly mature believers can pray in this way, but it's sitting in silence and listening. Mm-hmm. And it's for everyone, but the truly mature can sit that way for hours and just sit with the father, sit with the son, sit with the spirit and just like, bask in their presence, interact with them, have prophetic words, things, but it, it takes relationship. It takes a long time to get to the point where you can do that. Um, cause like most of us don't have the concentration for that. I don't have the concentration for that. Well, I don't have the spiritual discipline and I don't have the relationship with them. Like I have a relationship with them. I know his voice when he reaches out to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I got talking about some of the things we're talking about tonight is as I, um, I'll share that real quick. Mitchell and I were t- talking about what do we, what do we want to talk on the podcast this week? And we're like, Oh, we'll pray on it. And the intention of saying we will pray on it over a text message, I put in my mind, I'm going to take time to, to spend with the father, seeing what he would like us to share. Mm-hmm. And that consciously opened me up to that communication. And within a few seconds, he put in my mind, charity, benevolence and giving. And that's something I'd like to, before we pounce on those, what you said just before that, just the intention of you putting that into a text message and thinking about it. I think what you did is you used that energetic language because that happens a lot too, where I'm having more understanding conversations because even when I started to, and I've, I've shared the times where I've, I've talked with Michael or angels and you know, the times I've talked with the father, the creator, or I'm still a little unsure if it was Yahusha or Yahua or if they're the same person or it was El Creator. Either way, it's my my divine leader one way or another. Um, and it's more, 
I, I would use my, my word thoughts to begin because that's all I really knew. Mm-hmm. But what I would hear his voice was more of an understanding thought and a lot less like every once in a while words would form, but it would, it was a lot more of, it's, it's really hard to actually just describe, but really more of a creative process that pops into your head. And I'm noticing now that the more he speaks to me that way, I start to do it to him. And so what happens is, is I have this thought and intention that I want to take to him in prayer. And I start to do the, the formal, you know, prayer, but I feel like I'm already getting response because I've already brought it to him in that understanding language that, uh, that energetic understanding is the best way that I can describe it. And I think that's where my question came from is it feels almost silly to me because now it's like, I'm already getting an answer because I've already kind of brought it to him in the language that he's speaking it to me and not realizing it at first. And now I'm repeating it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then the sitting with them and, you know, to hear, to hear their voice, that sounds a lot like what meditation practices are trying to teach because our brains aren't made. A lot of people say you need to quiet your mind, you need to calm your mind. You need to, um, or just, this is the term quiet your mind. And I don't think our brains were created to actually be that or empty your mind. Some people say empty your mind and that's just such that that's garbage. I don't really care. Like our minds in our waking time and subconsciously or or sleeping time don't empty. It's, it's not a thing. That's not what we're created to do. They were created to think they were created to process things. Now they can get chaotic And I think that's what a lot of um, meditation practices are for is to organize. But I watched a video, it was probably, it's been within the last month. And this guy was trying to teach these people how to meditate. And he was telling them, all right, so calm your breathing. And he was teaching them how to, how to breathe. He's like, now empty your mind. And he kept saying that for about 30 to 45 seconds. And he goes, have any of you emptied your mind? And people looked at him like, what? And he goes, no, of course you haven't, because it's not possible. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do or what you try. There's something going on in there. there it, it, you, can, you can calm it. You can organize it. You can make it quieter, but you're not going to empty it. He goes, don't, as soon as somebody says empty your mind, you might as well just throw that one in the garbage and find somebody else to, to listen to because minds don't empty. That's just not what they do. Minds are made for processing things. If they're not processing things, you're probably dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I, I think there is an aspect to emptying your mind that you can train yourself to get in a space of a emptied mind to some extent, but I don't, I actually don't think that's a good thing because an empty space that you no longer inhabit can be inhabited by something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can be really dangerous. And there's actually scriptures about that, that uh, Jesus talked about 
that exact thing and how like you can't cast a demon out of somebody who doesn't want you to because if you do the demon will go find its friends and come back and find this nicely swept out and clean area with no one living there and then they'll all move in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because they didn't inhabit that place with something holy instead because they weren't in the mindset to even do that and so like it, it is a it's a worrying thing because that's there's a lot of meditation stuff out there that's about emptying your mind and going to this empty place and then talking to these spirits and having this enlightened experience and it's like but do you know what you're talking to right do you know what you're letting into that sacred space inside of you because like that that's your heart you're, you're letting them into your heart your subconscious mind and, and do you really know what you're talking to? Because the enemy comes as an angel of light. He right. comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing to the sheep. You know, like, it, it, you got to be careful. And I've been really lucky over my life, and I don't know what is connected to my purpose that's given me this, but I've had pretty high-level ranking protection, divine protection over my life. It doesn't mean that I haven't allowed the, the evil in because I've done things that have that have allowed that in, and I've... And, and stuff like that but when i have tried those meditation processes to empty my mind it will it'll get filled with something and it'll usually go into a uh, vision or trance world whatever and mm-hmm. um i don't think all of it has been uh benevolent we'll go back to that word i think that the malevolent stuff has been pretty low level in that I've, when I, I have an intention set in place for when I do try to do that mind emptying and have that empty space, I get my heavenly father that comes in to show me and guide me. And I don't think everybody has that same level of protection and guidance. Um, and I, I don't have much to back that up for evidence. I've, I've heard a lot of different stories and, and things and, and some of the things that you've been through, people go through different things and have different levels of protection, different kinds of guidance and different things that are allowed to happen to them for, for reasons. Uh, I think yeah. for, for me though, I've been really, and I say lucky, but it's, it's part of my purpose that, um, you know, I, I've kind of had that, that protection over me. So when I do purposefully make myself that empty space, um, I get filled with the spirit or the father, you know, and, and his guidance. Cause I've made myself that empty, empty space through addiction and stuff like that. And that wasn't the father that was, I was being filled with. That was something benevolent. So I'm not saying like in every way, but I think when I've done it on purpose intentionally, it's always had this this b- benevolent side to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me. I, I think that's a good point you made about addiction, too, is that, like, when you're seeking a high all the time to check out and just numb yourself, you're emptying yourself, which is opening, opening you up to be inhabited. Um, and I don't think it's the same as like drinking a little more than you normally would once in a while or like, you know, but it's when it becomes a habit of 
something that's a condition of your soul of just mm-hmm. wanting to constantly check out that I mean if nobody's home why wouldn't squatters move in? Well and think about it this way. Um this is gonna sound kind of silly, but I think there's something to it and at the very least it's a it's a good analogy. When I was younger I would drink and we would drink with a lot of caffeine and heavy liquor. Mm-hmm. And I found out or I didn't find out, but I realized what I was trying to do with my addiction, which was mostly alcohol, was I was trying to shut off my consciousness. I didn't like what was happening to me. I didn't like the existence I was in, and I felt helpless to do anything about it, which was wrong. I wasn't helpless, but I wasn't searching in the right places or looking for the right things, and I went through everything I did for a reason. But So I realized... (laughs) that when I'm I'm consuming the shutoff switch for my consciousness and for my thoughts, but I'm also consuming this accelerant for my flesh, caffeine, that I would then, my consciousness would black out, and everybody knows what I'm talking about, when you black out, but you're still awake, but then you don't remember any of it the next day. Mm-hmm. So... There was no difference in sensation for me when I would drink caffeine with the liquor and blackout but still be active physically doing dumb things or when I cut the caffeine out and went, oh, I think this is what's doing this to me. And I would cut the caffeine out and just use the liquor and it would just knock me out, pass out, and quote-unquote sleep because you're not sleeping but it was, it was like a shut off from my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it was like, who, who was at the wheel when I was still, people outside of my mind were perce- perceiving me as awake, but Mitchell wasn't actually home. What was going on there? Um, was I lucky and my subconscious took over? Was it my spirit or was I opening myself up for, other uh, spiritual influences to seep in and take the wheel for that. Because I I do think that that happened to me um, for a while, because kind of towards the end there, I've shared where it felt like when the addiction and the cravings would really take over, I almost could feel the me that's speaking right now was like this scared little kid in curled up in the back of a dark room in the corner, just going like, I don't want to be here. I don't want this to happen. I know that what, you know, my body is doing is wrong. Why am I out buying liquor again? I told everybody I wouldn't do that. I told everybody I promised just being in the store right now is breaking so many people's trust. And that's all happening in this scared little boy in, in the, in the corner but I'm standing there with a smile on my face, joking with the liquor store attendant, just going, got the plan and everything. And it's like, what did I let in that was powerful enough to actually do that? What did I give permission to do that in my body? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that goes, we've talked about soul fragmentation a little bit in the past and Mm-hmm. that goes to that because you have the traumatized scared little boy who knows this is wrong 
and then you have the alcoholic you, mm-hmm. and they're not the same person. Like they are, but they're not. You're both inhabiting, and that's that's one to bring light to this is that they're um, from a lot of study and modern science would actually kind of I don't know if they say it in this term, but they'd kind of say it in the same way that like we've learned that human beings are a triune creation. There's three different parts of you. You are body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. All three of those parts of you have a consciousness. Right. Um, the body consciousness can be tapped into with things like uh, muscle testing and nerve response testing and things like that. Um, your soul is the active part that interacts with people all the time, generally. Mm-hmm. Like you're, what people know it as you. Some people call um, that your mind, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and that soul is... And it's two parts fundamentally. It's the conscious and the unconscious Yep. or subconscious. The subconscious is the heart level. Like when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about the subconscious. It's the, the who you are that powers you on a subconscious level. Mm. It's your belief system. It's your own inner world that like fundamentally has to do with everything you say and do all the time. And so you're, your heart can be changed, but it takes time and it takes effort and it takes belief and continually putting things in or trying to get things out. Like it, it's not an easy thing to change the heart once you put habits into the heart. Um, then you have the spirit and the spirit is the unconscious mind. Some would say it's beneath the surface. It's probably where most of our thoughts come from. Because like your your conscious mind doesn't come up with your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like anybody that's tried to meditate knows that your conscious mind doesn't come up with your thoughts. Well, that's like, what I was saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. And, and your 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 thoughts come from memories. They come from a different dimension. It seems most of the time. Like, have you ever had a revelation on something? You're like, yeah, that came from left field. Like, who who knows <laughs> where the hell that came from? That's probably coming from your spirit. And you would say that's from the spirit of God. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Maybe it is from the spirit of God. But the way that works is the spirit of God speaks to your spirit in the spirit realm. And then your spirit translates that to your soul, to slowly give your soul understanding through your heart, your subconscious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you get blackout drunk and you're still functioning, your body is still conscious. Mm-hmm. So your mind goes into a trauma state where it can't handle what's going on anymore and shuts down. And your body is still functioning as a conscious being that is, you know, in your case, it is Mitchell. It talks like Mitchell, sounds intelligent as your soul. So you probably didn't have really deep conversations in your blackout drunk. Right. Um, but you could still talk generally basic things. You could say you needed another drink. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that, you know. We could have competitions um, about how many sides of the porch we could throw up at one time, you know, throw up off of at one time. Or, yeah, exactly. Things like yeah. that. That's because your body was in charge and it was also intoxicated. So it's not like it was functioning properly. No. But your body was the consciousness that was in charge. Now, when it comes to possession of evil beings, um, it's believed that a Christian can't be possessed. I think a Christian can't be possessed in their spirit. Mm-hmm. 
but they can be possessed in their soul on a heart or um, uh, conscious mind level. Mm-hmm. And it can be possessed in, in your body. So anybody can, can deal with possession of different parts of them that they have to fight against and break out of. And, they, and people wonder like, okay, I've been set free and all these different things, but why can't I get over this one thing? Is it because you have this deep seated demonic possession or oppression of one part of you deep in your heart that's taken root there. And sometimes it's not even your fault. Sometimes it's generational sin that's been passed down to you genetically. Yep, DNA. Yeah. And like that sucks, but you got to deal with it. And we all have stuff like that. We're all in a fallen world with none of us have pure genetics anymore. And because of that, we have to deal with the stuff that's been passed down to us. Um, like us in our family, it's alcoholism mm-hmm. got on both sides. There's other things too, but like alcoholism is a big one. We all have to fight that temptation. Um, some of us can drink some without an issue. Some of us can't. Um, some of us fight it our entire lives and some of us die to it. Like it, you know, it, um, but that's that level where it's like, there's something going on in the heart where there's an oppression there and a, possibly a possession that's guiding you. And that takes over when your conscious mind shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the big thing from what you said is like the fact that like, that was a new thing to me, but it makes sense because your nervous system can store memories just like your brain can. Mm-hmm. And your nervous system runs your body. So like, your nervous system and your gut are like the consciousness of the body. Well, from what I've understood, the nervous system is part of your brain. Technically like your spinal yeah. column and everything like it's, it's attached. Those are neurons. And, um, I, I saw a picture that was funny recently and it was like a replica of a brain spinal cords, but no, just the brain spinal cords and like, um, visible, like big enough to see, nerve system of a human body so and it said this is this creature is is living and controlling or living inside of each of our bodies and controlling us is what it Mm -hmm. what it said um it looks like a weird space jellyfish (laughs) yeah it's kind of creepy but i think (laughs) something that you touched on there when talking about the consciousness and the um you know shutting off with the, the liquor and stuff is um when I touched on that cosmic disclosure, when they were talking about soulless beings, uh, beings, mm-hmm. um, when we're shutting off our consciousness, we're kind of putting ourselves into autopilot. And I think that lets other things take off, you know, cause that's one thing that this guy was talking about was soulless beings can beings can just be, they have, they, they look and interact almost like any other human. You know, they have personalities. You can talk with them. You can love them. They can love you. You can get married and you can, they're just, they're, they're other people, but they don't have a soul. And that's why I think he was talking more about spirit, um, which I'm not 100% sure exactly the, what he was saying. It's, it's a really interesting thing that he was talking about. But what he said was, is because these are considered soulless beings, they can be used as basically um, just like 
I I always hated when he said meat suits, but basically, <laughs> you know, a vehicle. There you go. That's a better one. Vehicle. Yeah. Um, a meat suit. Yeah. I mean, they they basically people can <laughs> can just jump in. Well, people, but other entities, spiritual entities can can jump in and take over, pretty much whenever well, they I've want. Heard of, I've heard of people doing that as well. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I went through the occult and such that in meditation can travel the astral plane and possess people. Um, that was a new one to me, but it was a firsthand account. <laughs> I'm like, that's freaky. Um, yeah. Cause one thing to think of like demons, like these ethereal things that are out to like torment you and whatever. And they're like that possessing you. But then to think of another human disconnecting from their body or like not disconnecting, but leaving their body and entering yours for a time to control you and then going back to their body. Like that's horrifying. Yeah. And I, I do think it's possible. I do think it's possible though. Especially like you said with um, people who are, uh, that kind of training has been, and learning has been made available to them, like high-level members of the occult and stuff like that. I do think that's yeah. definitely possible. Just for my own astral adventures, and I don't do anything like that ever. Um, most of mine is still really low-level, and it's just trying to um, explore and figure out how to you know move around properly and stuff like that. And then I had that little incident where I told you where I, um, I'm like 99% sure I was being stalked by something malevolent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Michael saved me and snapped me back by the silver cord into my body. And, um, the cool thing was, is even though, even though that happened, it never scared me thinking back on on that whole situation it's like mm-hmm. michael was there i was cool like it didn't matter what happened there's just his presence was so overwhelmingly protective and just I, you get that feeling with some people sometimes where you just feel safe around them mm-hmm. and this one was it didn't matter what was there or what was going to happen there was no way that I was going to be harmed because Michael was there, you know, and, uh, and he proved it <laughs> for me. And I know that's a, I know we've, we've rabbit trailed a lot and that's even an even further one. Cause I, I don't know if I've shared that on any of the recent podcasts, um, that experience. So if anybody wants to know about that, hit me up, Mitchell 217 recovery.com. We can talk about it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, share more of it they want to know, but. yeah, I've had a couple of experiences like that, but most of my astral stuff has been more of, um, healing with, uh, with the father, with the creator. Um, and this is the, like the mirror world astral that I'm talking about. Um, and then just learning how to travel around in it and, move and how you move in it and how you perceive in it and um it was really interesting because i feel like it was like being a baby and then and then you know figuring out 
how do I turn around <laughs> and look that way? Yeah, you had to learn to walk. Yeah, it wasn't even learn to walk, you know, and, and I think that teleportation is possible in, in that realm. I mean, it, it might be possible in this one because I'm pretty sure Yahweh did it. <laughs> um, it says in the scriptures, but it's just... So that, you send the apostles. I haven't read that one, any of that yet. Or maybe I have and just didn't understand it, but I was reading one. In Acts, and I, either Elijah or Elisha also. It says they get transported by the spirit. Ah, it also mean wind, right. um, and they just appear from one place to another. And there's somebody. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna get the name right if I try to guess. But there, there's a guy, uh, apostle in Acts, who he's transported and he's just like in front of them, like shares the gospel and then he's gone. And then he's in like a different city, like miles and miles away. I've heard of stories of that happening in modern times with people going and, um, when they're at home asleep and they get phone calls the next day from people in China mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like the opposite side of the world. Being like, thank you so much for coming and, and preaching last night. Like, we've been wanting you here so much. We really wish we could have gotten to talk with you, you know, stuff like that. And I couldn't tell you the name. A friend of mine told me the story and had mm-hmm. names and credibility and, and stuff like that. But, like, that, that's the thing. Yeah, don't surprise me. This has been a real good. I, and that's the thing is, we're just starting on. Um, People are just starting to understand what we can do as spiritual beings mm-hmm. because there's so much beyond the three dimensions that we live in on a daily basis. And our soul can experience that to some extent, but our spirit can experience that fully. And when things are true in the spirit, things in the physical then have to align with it. And so like it, it could be possible that you could travel in the spirit and then your body show up there. I don't know how that would work exactly, but like with the understanding, you're starting to get the quantum physics and stuff. Like that's what I was going to say. The point <laughs> to the things that Jesus did by walking on water, turning water into wine, um, taking five loaves and three fish and feeding 5,000. And I've heard modern stories and stuff. I recently heard a modern story of there were um, missionaries in the a third world country. They're traveling from one town to the next. And the people were hungry, and they got in the van. They had to go to the next town for whatever they were doing, and they were given peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I heard that story. Did you? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Tell and it. They, uh, they, uh, somebody hands what the one guy a sandwich, and he's like, "Peter's with the people," and he's like, "What do you mean?" And they, they told him to put it in his shirt, and so he puts it in his shirt, and he keeps pulling out halves of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to hand to people. And so, like, hundreds of people got fed. And he said a whole bunch of these and, people that were in the group were given, it's like, they were all given, like, four or five sandwiches. He's like, they're, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, like, 25, 30 sandwiches or something like that. And yeah, hundreds of people pulled. got fed. Yeah. Because they just kept pulling exactly. them out of their shirts. <laughs> and so, like, this stuff still happens. People have testimony of it. It's just... And I think miracles like that happen in the U.S. too. We just, we don't talk about it because people think you're crazy. Yeah. Um, and it, it probably happened a lot more in third world countries and stuff because they have the faith. They believe it. 
and they don't have another option. They don't get to go to the local grocery store. You know, I think there's a little bit less stigma there too. Like maybe no, not no stigma, but a little less. And that's kind of one of my, my goals with this podcast is let's start saying some of the things that people are just going to say is crazy because I think there's more and more people speaking up and the more and more people, people that speak up that are honest and truthful about this stuff, you know, we can start to tell the people who won't, the people who won't speak up will start to because they're like, Oh wait, here's a group of safe individuals where I can share this. I can give my testimony and they're not going to just be like, and I've, I've talked to a couple people. I helped uh, a lady. Well, I shouldn't say I did because it was the father. I helped a lady help the, I don't even know how to say it, but I'll just say it this way because it's easier. I helped a lady who thought she was being followed by demonic entities, and it was only one that seemed like two, and that's actually the one that Michael helped me with. Um, I talked with her about it, and then this is kind of where I taught myself consent with helping people because before I just wanted to help absolutely everybody, but with intention while talking with her, I took it for her and I saw it a few times and over, over about a month I I would see it. And there was a presence that wasn't there before. And then I had the astral vision where I get attacked by this thing. And, you know, Michael, I can't tell you exactly what happened after he stamped me back into my body, but that thing's not a problem anymore. Michael's still around. It's not, and it wasn't an issue for him at all, um, which was really cool. And then I talked to the this gal later. And I was like, "Hey, I just wanted to." It was like a couple months later. Like this all happened like within a month, and this was like another month after that. And I was like, "I just wanted to ask you, you know, follow up and and what's your experience been?" And she's like, "Well, I tried what you said, and, and you know, not." try not to be afraid because I was telling her, you know, fear feeds a lot of these things. So don't be afraid of them. And a lot of times they'll leave you alone. Just if you, you starve them from that. Um, but she goes from the day that I told you about it, she's like, I haven't experienced anything. And I was like, I have a story for you. (laughs) (laughs) And she felt really bad after I told her. I was like, no, 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 no. That was not the point of this. Like, we did this together. Like, you and I, we connected. And, you know, the divine protection. And and I'm like, I want you to have this as part of a testimony. Like, And don't even be like, this guy did this for me. Because I feel like all I did was bait him with a tastier treat to get him to somebody that could really handle this thing. Um, but yeah, like this is, this is, this is all happening out there. This is, this is really big stuff. And I don't, anybody listening, I, (laughs) I don't, uh, advise hanging yourself out there as bait. Um, that is something that I, I have done and (laughs) it can, it can get frightening, but it is, it is part of my testimony and it's something that's been pretty amazing and, it really solidifies some of the beliefs that I believe in today. Mitchell's actual spiritual job is to be bait. So some people are called as warriors. Some people are called as bait, you know? 
I would like to f- say that I'm a spiritual warrior <laughs> that baited this oh, one. We just talked about this. Well, in, and you're a master of being spiritual bait, and you can take that however you want. <laughs> master, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I just think you're you're a master spiritual baiter. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to say there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This has been a really great wow. podcast about giving. Um, it has. Well, we've been giving information. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to share a passage of scripture real quick that doesn't talk exactly about what we're talking about, but you brought up the question of like, should we pray like pre-written prayers and things like that, or should it be less structured? And it brought to mind First um, Corinthians 14, specifically, I'll just read a couple of verses, um, or probably three verses here to give a little bit of context. But mm-hmm. he's talking about spiritual gifts. It's right after the whole chapter about love and what love is, but this is all specifically talking about spiritual gifts, even the portion on love. So spiritual gifting without using love is not worth using. Um, so he's talking about tongues speaking in tongues and praying in tongues mm-hmm. and prophesying and praying. And so in first Corinthians 14, 13, it says, therefore he who is speaking in a tongue, let him pray that he might interpret. Mm-hmm. Um, for if I am praying in a tongue, my spirit is praying, but my understanding is without fruit. What then is it? I shall pray with the spirit and I shall also pray with the understanding I shall sing with the spirit and I shall also sing with the understanding. And so he's showing two different forms of prayer here where it's like, if your spirit prays, it might pray in words that you don't understand or that you can't hear that you can't comprehend. Um, And if you pray logically with your mind, you're going to be able to understand the words Mm -hmm. and it seems more fruitful to the mind, but in the spirit, they're both fruitful. And so I think it's the same thing with structured prayer versus like flowing personal prayer mm-hmm. is that one's more structured than the other, but they're both beneficial. They're both fruitful, just like praying the spirit versus praying with the mind. Um, that just came to my mind when you were talking about that. Like I needed to go find that and it took me a little while to find it. But. No, it's all right. I filled it with plenty of other stories until you found it. Um, <laughs> the way it was, it was explained to me from a church standpoint is the movie, the live action movie, Prince of Persia. You know, mm-hmm. He's a prince and I think he has a brother. And when they're in the throne room with the king, their father alone, it's a very uh, casual father son situation. But when it's, they said, you know, time for business and the subjects are there and, the Royal guard are there and there's everybody. The princes have the same, um, demeanor and respect towards the King are expected to have that as everybody else. And I'm like, yeah, I can, I can see that, but it somewhat, I, it just feels kind of silly to me sometimes to have that, I don't know. It, it it feels like I'm I'm 
I'm learning his language more than I ever had. So the structured and it's and it's not even structured like the Lord's Prayer. Like the Lord's Prayer to me was yeah, Jesus teaching us how to pray, but how to introduce ourselves to start the process mm-hmm. pretty much. Not something that you should do over and 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 over again. The exact same words, which what you what you said earlier makes a lot of sense and a lot of people um, doing it, at, you know, standing in agreement and doing it at the same time, and there, there's a lot of power in that. But it feels more of like a an agreement, a starting point, and to move on with a relationship from there is kind of where what I got from it, not from what you said, but from the the scripture. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's definitely part of it is that structured prayer is really helpful for somebody that's new to it. Right. But it, it doesn't make it of no value to an adept. You know, like there's still value to it, though you're probably going to lean more on personal prayer. Right. <laughs> it's like if you, because maybe you're overwhelmed at one point and all you have is your, your you know, mind words is kind of how I say it. You know, there's, I have words in my mind that I say when I have thoughts where it's like talking just without, you know, voice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts in my head. And then there's like the energetic flow of thoughts and understanding, which is just, a, it's a little bit deeper. I feel like that's the, the language that he uses with me more. So if you, if, if you got nothing else, but your, your mind words, <laughs> just say it as elementary as I can understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, do it like definitely don't pray if you don't think that you're not doing the energetic understanding, like don't, yeah, don't keep from praying if, if that's the case. But I just, I I feel like it's a, it's a progression in my relationship with him. And it's, it's amazing. It really is because it does bring forth this prayer without ceasing concept. And that's something that for a really long time I couldn't comprehend because I always had all of these intrusive thoughts and I always had, I'm like how I was kind of living in a world where you kept some of your thoughts to yourself or you had maybe impure thoughts and stuff that you didn't want other people to hear. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to my heavenly father with that. But when you come to a realization where he created you, He's outside of time. He knows what's going to happen. And we're getting dangerously dangerously close to that reincarnation rant again. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, there's nothing that has been said, done, or thought that he doesn't already know. There's There's a security in that, that I can be myself in my head with him. And over time, like you said before, over time, you can... You can form that. You can shape that kind of like you do when you work out and you tone your muscles. It's a, you know, that's a, that's a shaping of your physical DNA um, when you do repetition and stuff like that. But when you're doing it in your mind, it's more of a spiritual DNA thing and it changes it and it shapes it and it makes things easier. And it's really repetition. And just two, three years ago, Prayer without ceasing was still inconceivable to me. 
And now I feel like it's mm-hmm. an everyday, all day thing. It's just he's just there with me at all times, and I gotta say it's it's amazing. There's almost nothing. There's almost nothing better that's ever happened to me in my life than realizing that he is right here with me at all times, and I can go to him. And I used to feel ashamed of intrusive, impure thoughts. And now I realize that I can work out, work them out with him when they happen. You know, mm-hmm. like he's he's right here. They're happening right there. You know, it's like somebody walking into a room and you're there with your best friend and they do something stupid and, you know, they saw it all happen. He's right there in my my spirit, mind, headspace, whatever. He's seen it all happen and I can be like, hey, I don't like that. Can we talk about that? And it's super comforting, and I'm actually getting kind of emotional about it because I'm, I feel like I've never had uh, a connection like that ever with anybody ever, and I get to have that yeah. with my Heavenly Father, like to the point that I'm, I'm tearing up a little bit about it. But well, yeah, it's, I think you hit on the main thing is like, when we come across the concept of prayer without speech or without can't talk without ceasing mm-hmm. in the Bible, people think it's something you need to do, but it, it's about being relational. It's about realizing that he's right there with you. And it's like, like you're going on a walk with Jesus. Like you might look away, you might talk to somebody else for a minute, but he's right there. You can turn back and talk to him. Right. He'll talk to you. You'll talk to him. You might be quiet for a long time. You might look at your own things. You might look at things together. You might, but it's that that relational aspect, and that's the thing. Like people always said, growing up, you know, it's it's not religion. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. There's not really a much better way to explain it. Like <laughs> you know, well, and that was hard to conceive. It, it, it doesn't explain it well, but that was hard to perceive because it's like okay, and when they they're telling you that it's like you're you're doing these um premeditated prayers you know not necessarily the the lord's prayer but you think about what you're going to say to him before you say it to him instead of just having yeah. a free flowing conversation um and that's the way it's become and that's a that's a, a thing that I talk with in a lot of the recovery groups that I do here in Traverse City is I used to isolate and even after getting a recovery, I used to isolate and I hated it. And you get these crippling feelings of loneliness. But once you learn and you start to get into the spirituality, the higher power, the whatever they want to hear at the moment, um, having that flow of communication, you're not isolating anymore. You can seclude yourself, but you're never actually alone. And I've heard that before, and it has sounded so cliche. And it's just so, like, I've tried to be alone and not feel alone. What in the hell are you actually even talking about? That doesn't make any sense. And it, it takes practice, and it takes realizing that he is right here with us at all times. And it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm just getting into a relationship again is I didn't want one or try to have one for the last year plus because 
I knew that I had stuff I had to figure out in me. And I knew that for a really long time, I was trying to fill space with imperfect people that never even, never had, never deserved to have that expectation put on them because they they weren't made to be what I was actually seeking, which was this connection with the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And it's here. I got it. <laughs> so, hard segue here. Yes. And that relationship is how you become a charitable person. <laughs> Back to what we said we were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and there are other ways. There are many people that haven't had that that relationship with the Heavenly Father, or maybe they did and they they didn't have that those words for it. Um, but to truly become, um, charitable or giving person or someone who is benevolent, like you need to have a higher thought process than your own because your normal human thought process, your body's thought process is find shelter, eat food, make babies. Mm -hmm. That's how your body becomes more bodies that keeps bodies going. There's nothing wrong with that inherently because that was programmed into us by the same guy I'm talking about talking to in my mind space, you know? So yeah, yeah. it's just when those things can, those things control our life, then it becomes, um, so then beyond that, your mind has higher purposes and you start to to have goals and thoughts and dreams and, and things like that. And on the spiritual level, it goes even further than that because there's a whole cosmic timeline of things happening that we're a part of and that we can be an integral part of if we tap into that. Um, But it's when we get above and beyond ourselves, above and beyond our fleshly desires and above and beyond our normal, like there's nothing wrong with wanting a house and what, what is it? The average American dream is white picket fence. Yeah. Two cars in the driveway, two and a half kids. I don't know how they came up with two and a half kids, but uh, that was a story in the Old Testament, I think. Cut the baby. In. Yeah, just cut the baby in half. That was a solution in the Bible for those of you that don't know. And it worked. <laughs> they didn't cut the baby in half, but the solution worked. Yeah. Uh, they got the point across. Uh, that king got the point yeah. across. <laughs> yeah, Solomon was a wise dude. Um. So I, I wanted to, I've got some definitions and I'll tell you, look up these words on Google. Their definitions are crap. Yeah. Um, I had to dig into it a little more and I kind of had to like take a bunch of different definitions and smash them into one quick one to say what it really meant. Cause like I looked up the word charity and the first description and the long explanation after that is an organization that gives stuff to people in need. And I was <laughs> Pretty common the stripper name. Like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let that one lie. There it is. Um, right. Without paying for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> same with the other words. But so I'll, I'll give a quick breakdown of what it is and then why, like, like you said, like it's the season of giving. That's what people call it. But like, what are we giving? Why are we giving? And even 
we touched on Christmas a little bit. So Christmas is the story of when God came down in human form and the father gave his son to be the savior of the world. Mm-hmm. That's the basis of the story. So he comes down as a baby and is born into the world so that he can save all of mankind. And we've touched on that a lot in the past and we'll touch on that more in the future. And that's like, if you don't like us talking about the gospel, I'm sorry. It's, never really gonna stop so there are other podcasts um, for you i like how tim alvarino talks about it too i was listening to one earlier today and um mm-hmm. that guy he will talk about all of the different things that i want to talk about and then he just brings the gospel into it so gracefully like and yeah i mean that that's not sarcasm like i love how he talks about the gospel and then aliens 30 seconds later right. so <laughs> considering he was like a high school dropout who lived in the um, Peruvian Amazon for years. I mean, talk about following your purpose, your divine purpose. Like he's reaching people and dealing with real, like, and I say real things and people can be like real things. Yeah. Real things. Like we see every, on the other day. No, not the deception that we're dealing with. He is under the veil like dealing with the actual real things that are happening in this existence. And it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and like the crazy stuff that people try to write you off for and put you in a mental institute when you actually have the experience that like he's helping those people. Yeah. And that's, that's the call of the gospel for the modern day believer. That is our job. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. Um, but your average church goer, you say aliens and they think you're crazy. Or they go, oh, that's just demons. And, and like, they won't even go beyond that and talk to you about it. And What's it's like, that? no, people are actually being taken by these things mm-hmm. and having tests done and DNA and things taken from them. Like, it, this is a real, they're traumatized. They have multiple experiences and memories of this that, or cover memories that eventually fade away. Like, just, they need help. Mm-hmm. They need answers. And they don't need somebody saying, these aliens are overlords and they're, they're trying to help us. And they're like, no, there's something much deeper and darker going on because there's something fundamentally against mankind trying to destroy us. But we're supposed to rise up as the sons and daughters of the living God and change this creation and help be a part of the solution of all creation. Like that's what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tim Alvarino preaches. And, oh yeah. You know, it's awesome. And I want a monkey. Like he had at one point, he had a monkey that would ride around. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, uh, he, he shares this story about going in to these uh, mountain villages in Peru where they had never seen white people. Yeah. And they that. have stories of ancient gods that came to the, the ancient Peruvian people who were about six and a half to seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, Blonde hair, blue eyed, or like light brown hair, green eyed, like, you know, light color eyes, light hair, uh, white skin, and brought them, they heal people, they taught them about medicine and things like that. Um, and then they would get in a craft and leave. And they called them the gods. They, they have different names for them, but they, to them, they're gods. Like if it was translated to English, it would be some sort of god. Mm-hmm. And so him and his buddy, both have like dreads down to their butt come walking into 
this little village who's never <laughs> seen white people, but I heard the story, and you've got these two white guys, one of them's blonde with blue eyes, one of them's like brown-haired with hazel eyes, I think hazel eyes. Which is close enough. And he's got a monkey on his shoulder, <laughs> and they're like, the gods have returned. Like, oh my gosh, the gods yeah. have returned. Like these, the gods have walked out of the jungle and even command the wild animals. Like... <laughs> He said it was hilarious, absolutely hilarious dealing with that. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we're just dudes who live in the jungle. Like, we're no big deal. I know somebody's going to be listening and be upset that I didn't mention this, but the 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 gods in those stories sound a lot like, one, biblically, the Watchers, and two, mm-hmm. or Watcher-like um, race of elder, elder race, how Tim would say it, um, yeah. which I like that. Oh, he says that I really do. I I like it. Although I I agree with most of, if not all of, the terminology that Tim Alberino uses. I really do. Yeah, his um, book's really good too. Birthright. He really wants some information on it. Birthright's a great book to read. He keeps talking about it, and I'm like, I gotta find it. It's not. It's it's so much easier for me to <laughs> to um, ebook stuff because I'll listen to it all the time. And I have a lot less time to just sit and read a book. And he's not on um, Audible is the one that I use the most. He's, it's not on there. And it makes me angry. It makes sense to me, like, why it wouldn't be. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, the other the other option other than Watchers and the Elder Race are Anunnaki, which could be the same thing, but just a different name from a different culture. Well, it, when you get into um – from what I've heard and what Tim Alberino says is it supposedly it sounds like the Nordics. Well, and I, think, and I think that's another thing, though, is Anunnaki and the Nordics could have been the same because there's talk about some of the stories where the during the war with the, Anun- the Anunnaki's head with each other, some of them fled to the north. And so they think that these okay. Nordics could have been like Anunnaki refugees. Hmm. And that's almost where the white people up there come from. Why we're you know Europeans are white. Um, and I I don't know. I've heard that, and I couldn't even tell you where. But <laughs> but yeah, I, but I've heard that. But I've also heard that some of them went to, and it's supposed to be the um, benevolent side of the Anunnaki went to, like the Peruvian area in the South America. You know, over over on that side when the malevolent stayed in Egypt. And I think that's what kind of bred the, I think I'm following the, the process right here, the cabal. Um, but all of this could have started with the Anunnaki literally being the watchers. And yeah. I don't think all of the watchers, the elder race quote unquote fell and they definitely not all um, have been imprisoned one way or another. I've heard a couple different things, and Tim talk about it. Um, but I think that if you start to piece together the Nordics and the Anunnaki and the stuff going on in Peru and, and stuff like that, that you start to paint a picture that connects. I have other little things like that, that bowl that they found that was obviously Mesopotamian in Peru. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
um, stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I took I took the reins, and we're gonna have to wrap it up here soon because my rabbit trails have been long tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we found any rabbits. The trails have been long. Oh, I like to follow. I just like to follow. It's like when I went to, you know, fishing as a kid. It was usually just hours of being on a boat or near water and a lot less actually catching fish. So that's how a lot of my rabbit trails go. I'm just, I just think about things. I talk them out. I, I, I rant and thought processes start to connect themselves in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... And you know that's why they call it fishing, right? Not catching. So yeah, <laughs> yep. There's other things called catching too, and I'm just gonna leave that one right there. Um, but you're kind of on the descriptions before I took the wheel and cranked it to the left. Yeah, so I can touch on that a little bit more. Um, you actually you use the word benevolent, so I'll jump to that one. Yeah, um, the benevolent. Anunnaki versus the malevolent. And so um, benevolence basically broken down from all the different descriptions was a desire to do good to others or to have goodwill and charitableness. And that's where we get into charity as well. So the goodwill towards others is to your will is good towards them. Like you truly want good for them. You want prosperity. You want a long life and health and a good family and all of those kinds of things that have goodwill towards others. So talking about the Anunnaki being benevolent and them having goodwill towards mankind, they wanted to raise up, raise us up and help guide us to be as productive and um, successful as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's always been the Father's will in Scripture, right? Um, and then you have the other side of that, which is the malevolent ones. And my definition I have written down here for malevolence is very bad, mean people. Because I didn't write any of that down because we weren't talking about that. But very bad, uh, mean people. Yeah, yeah, very bad, mean people. That's I, by scientific. I know uh, some of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I met a handful of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You could just flip it on its head, non-charitable, bad will, desire to do evil to others. Um, those are the malevolent. The scariest ones are the ones that are indifferent because you never know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, like, what do they call that? Chaotic neutral? Yeah. <laughs> and as they say that the um, the opposite of love is not hate, but it's indifferent. Yeah. Because there's absolutely no regard for another in indifference. At least in hatred, they're regarding you as a conscious being. Yeah, because um, hate is actually just a, a byproduct of a deficiency of love. Um, mm-hmm. So it's actually a, a it's actually a hate is actually love, but in a, in a very deficient form. Um, you haven't had your love bottle filled up recently no nope. and that's where i get into but love is a spectrum and or emotions are a spectrum and the only actual emotion is just just love and and i'm not i'm not going down that trail i'm not gonna do it <laughs> not tonight i've, I've, I've already talked about it in the podcast anyway but i couldn't tell you where yeah. <laughs> one human emotion called emotion and it does all of them Yep. Well, and and the way I said it, or the way I wrote it down when I was getting the the download, um, I was having a meditation with Yah, and I 
Um, it's, it, he had me write down emotion doesn't get an S. It's it's a spectrum. We 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 have feelings. We feel different parts of the spectrum, but emotion itself is just love and various forms of of or various levels of having it or not having it in different um, efficiencies or deficiencies. So, yeah, which is interesting because in first John, it says that God is love. Right. And we've talked about him being all consuming fire, being a, like an immeasurable force of pure energy. And that if you think of that in the same sense, if emotions are energy, and it is like the power behind everything humans do comes from this emotional energy. Yep. That is love. And that in essence is, is the same as what the father is. Mm-hmm. Like that's us being made in his image is that like he put that in us and our power source is the same as the essence of what he is. Right. And you can use that in a lot of different ways. You can direct that a lot of different ways, but it's meant to be directed towards people in a benevolent way envy for the good of others and for the good of everyone and everything around you. Um, and that's when it has the purest tones, the most beautiful sound and radiates with the most power is when love is pure. I'm working on a plan on how to use it like they do in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. One of these days, I'm going to put together, it's going to be called a rage meditation, and it's going to be how to to, to use it in your emotion as, as energy and power. It's going to happen. I swear, I've done this before, and I just don't know how to make it so other people can understand it. That's my problem. Time. Time. And read a bunch of books, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and s- stop de- derailing the podcast, Mitchell. That's another thing. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to talk about being a good person here. What are- <laughs> I know, and it's pretty much time. Do not derail podcasts, okay? <laughs> but it was it it was it was good intention. <laughs> the path to hell was saved. Oh, with good intentions. Yeah. Those are just words, man. Good, good intention gets you far. Gets you pretty far. It's, it's not all of it, but it gets pretty far. Um, it, it can get you pretty far. <laughs> we are going to have to wrap it up here soon, though. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to touch on charity and giving real quick, and then we'll just kind of wrap it up and like what it means to be. Because, like earlier, I talked about not being selfless or unselfish Mm -hmm. but actually to be a giving person is to not regard yourself at all and to regard others and i'm going Um, to behave myself while you explain this i promise it's only by first loving yourself as the created being that you are and not the way that the world teaches you to love yourself but like to appreciate the creation that you are because of how the father outpoured his love into you and you can love the creation that you are and through that love, understanding his love for you, you can pour it out on other people. And so you can be a charitable person. And to be charitable is to, it's a voluntary act of giving your time, talents, and money to those in need. Um, and giving 
is a free transfer of the possession of something um, or to carry out an action because you can give a bow to someone. You could give a blow mm-hmm. to someone by punching them upside the head. <laughs> so charitable people take what they have and they give it to those who need it. So if you're not walking around as an unselfish person thinking about how you can do things that'll make you feel good by doing them for others, but you're actually aware of the people around you, not thinking of yourself, but thinking of those around you and being, being aware, living in the, the moment that you're in, seeing the needs of others, you can give a smile that could change someone's day. You could give money that could change someone's day. Mm-hmm. You could grab a door or carry something for somebody. You could, I mean, there's so many different things that are, they can be so simple. Um, they, it could be your time. It could be your energy, your efforts, your money. Um, like I said, just a smile or a head nod sometimes. Sometimes another person just needs to know another person exists and notice them. Because in the world we live in, people get ignored so much. And like, that's not how it's meant to be. We're supposed to interact with each other. And you're, pain, supposed to live. you're painting this picture of how powerful this is. And I agree 100%. Um, but that's where the duality of it comes in. The malevolence is you can do all of the same things with all of the same amount of power, arguably in the opposite way. So that's where self-awareness comes in is mm-hmm. this is what, what Lucas was just describing is what we're supposed to be doing. And so many people let their lives go off the rails and do the opposite. And you are affecting people, real living people in this existence in the opposite way of what you were meant to do. Just because of the decisions that you make to go the malevolent because you don't want to take the little bit of effort that it causes to choose to do the the nice thing, the good thing, the malevolent thing. Yeah, and one of the problems is, like, we've talked about addiction and how addiction, it, it forces you inward, which causes you to be selfish, which causes you to take from those around you. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's been an addict knows what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're real with yourself, you know what it looks like to be a leech on, on everyone and everything around you, because that's what happens when you're an addict, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not, it just automatically happens. 100% um, but there's steps before that, e- even not being an addict, like, are you someone that, that, that freely takes or freely gives? Mm-hmm. Because we should be able to receive what's given to us, but that's different than taking. Right. You don't take from someone you receive from them. If given without stretched arms, but we should always be the one without stress arms. And like, there's time, like we need to learn how to balance things and how to rest and how to, you know, know when to give and when not to give and be, like you should be giving out of a cup flowing over, not trying to pour drops out of an empty cup to save right. that person that looks like they're thirsty because like you need those drops too. Yep. <laughs> um, so there's a balance and there's health that has to come that like you have to be a healthy person and have your life in balance to be able to do this. But, if you're someone that's in that state of taking all it's something that our pastor said growing up, that was, um, when is a thief no longer a thief? Not when he stops stealing, but it's when he starts giving. 
Because right. now, like, you can stop stealing, but you're still a thief because you're still who you were. You haven't changed. You just stopped doing the thing you were doing. But, like, once you start giving, now you're a giving person. You're no longer a thief. Right. And that's all it takes. That's that, that view of repentance. Repentance means to turn around and go the other way. And so if you're a person that's saved, maybe you live with somebody and you're an addict of some sort and you occasionally steal money from your roommate or your parents or something like that. Stop stealing their money, get a job and help like pay them some sort of rent to help cover the cost of you living there. You have to change your actions. Exactly. And you go from being a taker to a giver and you can completely change your life in just a couple of simple steps. And it's amazing how powerful that can be in your life and how like you can fundamentally become a different person in a very, very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. If you go from being a taker to being a giver. That's a, that's a, a part of the big book in the Alcohols Anonymous program is there's a story in there from Bill, what's his name? I don't know. I've read it so many times, but it was so long ago, I forget. Um, but the question is, what do you call a horse thief after he gets sober? He's a, he's a horse thief. Um, and that's the, you know, like that's, yeah. The, and that's when they start talking about in more modern times, they start calling it being a dry drunk. Well, you don't drink anymore, but you haven't changed anything. And that's part of my testimony when it comes to my addiction was nothing changed in my life until I started to fix the root of the problem. I started to act different. I started to change. And I really took my mental health into consideration because that was my actual problem. Um, you can say it was spirituality in, in all of those things that have, that have come out of it were the actual problem. But I was very unhealthy in yeah. every single way that possible. Um, so I had tried not drinking for so long, which was the symptom we were trying to to have. But it didn't change the fact that I was just, you know, for three six, nine months at the longest at one point, I was just a unhealthy person who didn't drink for a little while. But it didn't didn't change that. It wasn't until I really started to restructure the foundation of who I am as a person that my life started to actually change and I was able to get rid of these unwanted symptoms in my personality. Um mm-hmm. And that I feel like that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's because like I touched on earlier, the heart issue of your subconscious being, that's how you change the heart is by outward action, by, by doing something. So if you're doing something wrong, stop doing it and then do something right. And your heart will change from being the person that did the bad things, the person that does the good thing. And that'll become your natural reaction eventually is to do the good thing. Well, because at the beginning, you're just going to be the bad guy who did something nice. But once you do two nice things and three nice things, and you start to choose and you're going to fail, like failing is part of how it works. Everybody thinks failing is the duality of of success. And it's it's really not. It's it's part of learning how you're doing it. Um, but you're, you're going to fail and you're going to 
you're going to not, but you really have to try over and over again. And you start to change that spiritual DNA of who you really are and that foundation of who you really are. And it, it takes a long time. I hate telling people how long it took for me. And that doesn't mean it's going to take this, this long for everyone. Um, but people will ask me, how long did it take you to do this? Cause they see positive results in my life. And I really, yeah. I don't like telling that story because I think it's demoralizing to a lot of people where they're like, it's going to take me two and a half years. It's going to take me a year and a half to get through this part of it. And I can't say enough, but it is so worth it. You get on this other side and it is so worth it. I, I don't have the words to even tell you how worth it it is. They're like a year. And, and it's like they only hear that large amount of effort. And you got to be blunt with some people. Like how much effort did you put into the bad things you did in your life? And I just, I keep yeah. going back to addiction because that's what I is relevant to me. But how much effort did we put into addiction? Try putting that into changing for the better and see what happens to your life. But people don't want to do that because there's no, there's no instant gratification. Yeah. And that's the problem is addiction and substances and stuff give you instant gratification. Doing the right thing doesn't, um, and, and that's like, you know, you help the old lady carry your groceries in. Like, yeah, generally people feel good about that. Sometimes right. people give you money for it too, by the way. I've, I've done nice things for people and they just like hand me a $5 bill. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> it's fine. And then they look at you like, take my money or I will be upset with you. And you're like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will take your money. Thank you. <laughs> um, that doesn't happen all the time, but it's happened more often than you'd expect. Yeah. Um, no, I understand. You, I've heard that. You, you did something kind for somebody, you know, but um, something I was going to say is like, if you look in the mirror and you hate the person you see, and this is going to sound really harsh, but it might be because you're a really sucky person. No, that's pretty I've spot been on. That person, right? <laughs> I, I've been that person many years of my life that I looked in the mirror and I did not. And it's not just how I look, you know, it's like the person who I knew I was staring back at me. Mm -hmm. I hated that person. And I, there was a lot to hate. There, there was good reason to hate that person. And it's taken me years to change that person into somebody that I can look in the mirror and I can appreciate and respect. And there's still aspects of me that I'm working on. Right. And I tell people like, you know, you, you talk to people and you say, you don't like to, to say how long recovery has been. I've been recovering for 31 years so far. Right. No, that's, um, that's the from, truth. <laughs> but it's been everything that's happened to me in life and the person that I let myself become that I've then had to recover from and try to become someone else. Right. But like, you don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be the person that you are, but don't let the world tell you, look at the person in the mirror and just love them the way they are because they're great. It's like, no, you, you might look in the person in the mirror and go, you suck. And that, it might be true. So change. Yeah. Cause you can change. You, uh, you keep walking that reincarnation line for me, but, um, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to blur out probably next podcast, but I've already done it, but it's yeah. still there. 
Um, no, I actually, I got to share this with some people, mostly in my reincarnation groups, reincarnation, it's just happening. My spirit's taking over, uh, my recovery groups, um, <laughs> recently, but, uh, I shared it with a couple people and I, I might've put it on one of my social medias, but I think I walked past a, it was, it was like looking at the main in the mirror, but I think I walked past a, a window and I looked at myself and I just got this overwhelming feeling of I just saw myself for the first time in a really, really long time or ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a tidal wave in the face of emotion. And just like you just said, it's not I'm still working on stuff. It wasn't a perfect image. But what I saw was all of a sudden me. And I had never looked in the mirror before, ever, and went, yeah, that's, that's who I am. Ever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it takes two years to get through some of the stuff. It takes a year and a half to get through some of the stuff. It takes 36 years to get through some of the stuff. <laughs> but you start with intention, with trying, with failing, with doing it over and over again, you start to figure some of this stuff out and you start to see who you are really meant to be. You start seeing yourself in the creator's image. And I think that's what hit me really, really hard was that was one of the first times that I had ever been able to look into a reflection of myself and see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the way that I like to listen to Jordan Peterson, the way that he puts it, and he's gotten it, people love him and hate him, but he's gotten famous for writing books on how to help young men not be slobs and end up successful eventually. <laughs> yeah. And step one is make your bed. Yeah. And that's it. He's like, all right, your life's chaos, you're unsuccessful, you live in your parents' basement, and you're 28, and start making your bed. And he's like, and then maybe after a week, you look around your room, and you go, gosh, my room's a mess. And so you get up, you make your bed, and then you clean up your room. And then after you clean up your room, you might decorate your room mm-hmm. so it actually looks good. And then all of a sudden, a month or two or three down the line, you're living in an organized area that's beautiful because it's decorated. That's at least beautiful to you. Probably won't be beautiful because you've never decorated before in your life, but yeah. <laughs> uh, give it a shot. You like it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you look around and you think it looks nice and everything's kind of organized and all of a sudden you see some success. Um, and then you can start to take that beyond into bigger areas of life because you, you learn to master it on a small scale just by starting with making your bed. And so it's the exact same thing when working with your character is like you take a little step and you do one thing different in a better direction and just do it consistently until it starts to become easy and then take the next step. I know stepping stones is something you, you bring up a lot and it's like... Me? That doesn't sound like me. Yeah, I know. You'd probably never say that. No. <laughs> Definitely not you. Um, the idea is, um, in Scripture, there's the the verse that says, um, God's Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Mm-hmm. And 
our pastors growing up always talked about a flashlight. You know, you can see the flashlight. Well, no, it says a lamp. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever walked with a lamp, but I have because we like to take them camping, like old school oil lamps. Yep. Um, we put citronella in them and it keeps the uh, mosquitoes away. Right. And you get light. It's the you know, best of both worlds. <laughs> um, but you, you can only see like a couple steps ahead of you when you're walking with a lamp. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're lucky, it's like one, two, maybe three steps if you're lucky. And so you watch where you're walking and each step lights up the next. And so that's how it is with changing your character and changing who you are is you take a step and then the next step is lit up. And then next thing you know, you look back and you're 30 miles down the road. Like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. I've went so far and it's because you put one foot in front of the other. Like, and, and that's what I want to encourage people with is like, if you hear being a charitable person and stuff, you're like, Oh, there's no way. Like I'm not that person. You can be, we can all be that person. Yep. If you look in the mirror and you hate the person you see, you don't have to keep being that person. You can be a different person. Oh yeah. And I'm not saying you, you choose to be a different gender or something like that. Like you can change to be a better version, like the best version of you that you were always supposed to be. You can be that. Um, but it, it takes effort. And that's it, it took effort to get to the hell hole you live in now. It's going to take effort to get out of it. Like that's just the truth of life. Like it, it's not, it's not like you just fell in to being a crack at it. Yeah. People will act <laughs> like that, but it's, it's one step at a time. Yeah. That you become a crack at it. And it's the same way at getting out. It's the same way at becoming successful and owning your own business and do you know, like all of that. It's all just one step at a time. It really is. And um, I had a point for something he said and I lost it. But I really like where the podcast is Wednesday. We've gotten to touch on a couple of emotions and I like what you're saying the stepping stone thing is, I don't know if you know this, but that was being given to me one stepping stone at a time, that thought process. And I have used it in so many recovery meetings. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I know you used it on me too. But. Well, in well, you don't, I don't think, <laughs> what I don't think you realize is you were the one that gave me the lamp into our feet and the light into our path. And that has become the second part of my stepping stones talk when I give it is it's a stepping stone. It's just the next one, the next one. And I've had, I've had people go, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do in my life. And then it gets thrown into my, you know, a lot of people will call these prophetic words, but it's like, I get this overwhelming, tell them about the stepping stones, tell them about the light in the way that I put it is, you know, we want headlights to show us what's down, what's down the road, not just a little bit down the path. And that's not how he does it. You're missing very serious things that are right here in front of you. The important things that are right here in front of you for you to do right now, you're missing because he's giving you a lamp. And I'm not saying that he doesn't give some, some people a spotlight to look down the road. I think it's happened, but I think the common part of your journey, journey, the large part of your journey is you're going to have the lamp to see the next step or two in front of you. And 
it's partially because of where we are mentally and emotionally. A lot of us can't handle more than that at one time. And we try to, and that's where a lot of anxiety and depression comes from. And so the stepping stones thing was, was really given to me by the creator. And then you, well, this was too, but through you, the, the light, the lamp and the path that was to kind of make a complete thought about that. And I use it. I tell so many people that so many people. that. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's cause it, it's helpful. Like it's helped me. It definitely helps me. Yeah. Um, there's one thing you said I wanted to touch on there. Um, and I think I lost it. So. See, that's what I just did. When I said I lost it, I just started talking and then eventually came back. I thought it would when I started talking, but it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we've said enough. <laughs> well, this is one of the longest podcasts we've ever put together and published. So I am going to say... It's going to be time to wrap it up rather soon. Well, I, I think we are actually at a uh, pretty good stopping point. Um, and like you said, it's been a long one. So thanks anybody for, uh, for listening to all of this. And uh, I hope I didn't make anybody too mad. Like I don't mind making you mad. I just don't want to like make you too mad. You know? <laughs> I, um... I'm, I'm okay with upsetting people. <laughs> I almost put a warning in there when he said that, but I was like, no, no, I want people to walk into this face first because a lot of people need to hear it. And if they're not willing to hear that and absorb it, then they're not willing to, they're not going to absorb most of what we talk about. So yeah. I'm just leaving that little trap in there because I, I believe in what we talk about. I believe in what we've happened in most of this hasn't been fluffy for me. A lot of what I've went through has been abrasive and painful and hurts and abrupt. And that's how our decisions and how our, our journeys can happen a lot of times. Yeah. Especially when you're using that spotlight to look down the road and you're not looking at what you're tripping over right in front of you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden the ground comes flying at your face really fast. You're like, why would the ground be coming at your face? It's because you tripped over a rock because you weren't paying attention. Exactly. Well, yeah, most it? of the things that have changed my life for the better have um, come at me like a, a left hook. Like it did not see them coming. Hurt like crazy. Made me really angry. Like people said, said have said so many things to me that just pissed me off. And I was like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And like, Eventually, I come back around. It's exactly what I need to be here. And yeah. I'm not saying that gives me right or anybody right to say things to be mean to people or to hurt people's feelings, but sometimes your feelings need to get hurt. Like, if it's what you need to hear. And and I hope people are ready to hear about some of the things we've talked about. If it really just hurt your feelings and upset you, I'm sorry. I, I did not intend that. Um, but I hope for some people it's what you needed to hear. And it helps wake you up and it helps make, you know, show you the next stepping stone so you can take that next step. I like what he just said, but I'm not sorry. If it hurt your feelings, then go listen to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. Well, Mitchell, I'd like to be on a successful podcast, so I don't know. But... 
Well, <laughs> everything we're saying is becoming immortalized by the internet. So, um, very true. Is there anything you'd like to add, man? Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us up. Um, go pet a duck. Get rid of your chickens. Stay new to your pets, and uh, have a happy new year. If you listen to this before New Year's. <laughs> It'll, it'll be, yeah, that's right. It'll be posted before New Year's. But, yes, I agree everything with, with everything there. Eat your ducks and um, pet. Wait, wait, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, 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 no. Eat your chickens, pet your ducks. Chicken. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I meant. The, don't eat the duck. No, 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 no. Eat, eat the chickens, bacon, pet the ducks. Really good. <laughs> like, I had some duck bacon, and that's some good stuff. Just throw that out. And then if you... If you listen to the last podcast, you'll understand what the podcast art is. Our co-host Lucas here doesn't even look at the art that was confirmed today in the podcast. <laughs> but uh, um, with that. I will from now on. After today, I will look at it every week. That was the one that I wanted you to see. That's why I brought it up. And it's not like it didn't hurt my feelings or anything. But I think you're going to like it. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to. Um, yeah. it's just too perfect. If you remember what we talked about. So, um, I do. <laughs> with that, everybody, I'm going to say goodbye. Give them a goodbye, Luke. Have a good night, everybody. It was nice talking to you. Thanks for listening to the redacted recover your mind podcast. For more episodes, click the link in the description. <laughs>